What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 51 of the podcast, and Brad Chester is dancing to try to throw me off on the video right now. You can't break me, Brad. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that is exactly what this show aims to do. We're going to interview an elite player who has lost one to two games, and we're going to break down the mistakes and how they plan to learn moving forward. Brad, you did break me down. How often do you blame a game on bad dice? We've all done it. Brad Chester has done it. I have done it. Everyone us all admit that right now. The age-old question of death or glory is answered in this episode. As we head to the Death and Glory Invitational this week, our guest took big, bad tau into the new Harlequins in a battle where glory was achieved. Or was it? Or was it death? This week is a quad episode, meaning we will have an extra guest joining us, so stay tuned for that. This is part one, and this part we'll be analyzing the game. We'll be discussing common mistakes, secondary choices, the target priority, and all that jazz. In part two, we'll be doing a deep, 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 deep dive into strategy and adjustments that the player plans to make. We'll be talking about how it plays your list, your list, Brad's list, my list, our co-host list, today we'll be talking about list adjustments new strategies and don't forget about the one the only the elite player mindset now my co-host today is frequently grabbing the bulls by the horn and not in a metaphorical sense he literally battles bulls for a living with his bare hands he is a winner of the michigan gt the nine-time member of team usa he won infinity adepticons Times one. He has three top eight LVO finishes. He's the Armed Forces GT champion. He has the 2021 ACO championship under his belt. He's a runner up against Workshop New Orleans last year. He is the Studs and Snotlings champion, making him the current Prime Minister of Canada, Mr. Brad Chester. Huzzah! Blake, I miss you like the flower misses the sun. Last week's was so brutal. My intro, I think, was, hey, how's it going, everybody? Blake says stuff right now. And then I left it at that. I already listened to it. I listened to I, I listened to the edits, and I was I was proud of you, but also a little bit disappointed in both. Is it that makes sense? Like it was just, it was just a little bit uh, that hurts right there. I wish you were just mad. He's not even mad. I'm not even mad. I'm just a little bit disappointed. I was like, Brad, Brad really stepped out there. He really um stepped out of his comfort zone, but man, he gave he gave it his all. He put it all on the table. Left it all out there. I feel like you left it all out there with that intro right there. I don't know <laughs> how much of that was you, how much of that was Brad. Um, I'm just, I listened to that, and now I'm thinking about the last line of what I sent you for my intro, and I, I feel like there's going to be a very stark comparison between these two things. Well, let me introduce you, man. You're, you're jumping the gun here. You're just killing me. Our, our guest today is part of the OG Death of Glory squad. He is the stream director and caster for all their tournament content. He is the Art of War poster child, going from winless in events to three straight one-loss events. So that's making him the perfect unbroken guest. He is also the adopted child of Tom Ogden, meaning this absolutely counts as Ogden's third episode, No Tasty's Vaxxies. 
<laughs> so, Mr. Lyle Dixon. Thank you. I, I, I just want to get out there. The, the, the official, I'm not, not trying to correct you, Blake, but the official term is Tom Ogden's baby boy. That's it's important boy. that we say those words. I was trying to see if you could figure out some way to mess someone up with your same name. And it, and it really made it so that I was wondering whether or not you could butcher some last another name. Well, that's my secret last name. You can't share. You can't share my uh, my secrets, my internal secrets, man. My internal secrets. I, I did not know that your podcast name was not your official name until I logged he, into this chat. He here. is the law. I'm the law. That's all you know. Blake oh, is the mystery law. man. Yeah. I do want to see if Blake will. Butcher my last name. Oh, I'm gonna murder your last name, man. Just buckle in for this. I don't. I'm doing. I didn't Bring it on, buddy. Literally my favorite thing. Part of the fun with this show is you come on here, and I'm not gonna ask you how to say your name. I'm gonna say it how I feel. However, I'm vibing that day. <laughs> it's hard. That's, that's what I'm gonna. Our special guest today is the host of the Noob Hammer Channel, where he does a long format interview with competitive players. He is the proud fourth and fifth place finisher of recent RTTs, and the champion of new players across the planet, Mr. Rick Radeau. <laughs> I, love a, I love that there's a Redo, question yeah. mark at the end of the it. question ah, mark was yeah. great. Yeah. I, was, I was pretty close, I was, more, I was more impressed about the fact that I thought you took fourth and fifth place at the last tournament. You, <laughs> you could have. <laughs> nope, nope. That was like a, what was that, Gary Kasparov type situation? Where yeah. Just playing everyone in the room? Just, just, I, I've got it, guys. I got this. <laughs> He's a people's champion, man. If he wants to finish fourth or fifth, they're going to let him. They're going to say, Rick, here's your fourth place trophy. Here's your fifth place trophy. Buckle in. He's getting sixth place, too, ladies and gentlemen. After this episode, we're, you're going to be catapult third, man. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. Ka-ching! The gradual march to the top. Well, tell us a little bit about the event. So this is an invitational event. It's part of the Death of Glory squad. Ogden's been on this show too many times. Um, this is supposed to, he's supposed to get a third one before anyone else gets a third one, but I'm telling you that, uh, Ogden, if you're listening, this is your third episode. Lyle is your <laughs> proxy. So, um, you're, you can have a fourth episode. But. My list is basically my version of his list. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It so. does. I, I think All he right. might have, uh, some crisis suits. But stand by. Well, let's find out. I, I do have the same number of crisis suits that Tom don't, has. At the don't, very ruin, don't ruin the surprise. No spoilers, no, man. No one sees this coming with Tao. Hey, <laughs> my, my list had some original ideas that Tom is now copying. So just want to point out that it's not, you know, I, I can't think for myself was a little bit. more crisis suits. <laughs> uh, it, it was, it did have one additional crisis suit for about a week until Brad told me not to do that. This is also true. Well, I, I, forgot, <laughs> I forgot a crucial piece of uh, Rick's intro. So can we just like back up for a second? Um, the final part mm-hmm. of the intro is um, we met in LVO at Nacho Daddy, and now we are Nacho friends. So, oh, buddy, that was where I had the <laughs> worst $33 fajitas I've ever had. Yeah, it always holds a special place in your heart. Remember those 33, Mark, uh, $33 fajitas? I, I, uh, if you guys are going to say you're, you're Nacho friends, that, that makes me feel left out. You want to be part of the Nacho friend, man. Be part of the Nacho friend group, man. You, you're, you're welcome anytime. I, I just like the fact that you went, have you guys met each other? And he just goes, yeah, Brad and I got drunk together. And I went, that sounds like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Classic. At LVO, man. Classic like, Brad. That, wait, people got drunk at a 40K event in Vegas? It that was unbelievable. That's It was roll some dice for a little while and then make fun of each other and drink too much. That's all it was. It was great. I would do it again. I'm I'm 100 percent wholesome. Don't include me in this group. I'm I'm uh, I'm a little uh, little angel at 40k. So um, you guys remember that. Lyle, tell us a little bit about the event, though. So give me a breakdown of it. Yeah. So uh, it's, the calling it the Death or Glory Invitational is a little bit of a play on it. I guess a little bit fun. It 
it was really just a a reason to try to get all of our teams together. Uh, we have like I've lost track at this point. I think there's six Death or Glory. I was teams. just want to say how many Death or Glory. There's teams more. There might be seven. I'm not sure. So we have like we have Eight. a Michigan team. We have like three teams in Michigan. We have an Ohio team, an Indiana team. Um, I think there's another one. I, I've lost track. Uh, like literally, it's at a point where there are people on the teams and you don't even know who's on Death or Glory at, at, at various ways. Like you're, you go to an event, you're like, oh, cool, you're a uh, nice to meet you. I've literally had no idea who you were before. You know what's um, funny is y'all actually stole one of our best players in this area from Arkansas. He moved up there. His name is uh, Michael. Henderson. Oh yeah, yeah, Michael. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was on my welcome team with me. Nice. Good guy. Love him. He's cool. Uh, so yeah, we've uh, we've kind of slowly just been, I don't know, expanding like some kind of like primordial ooze across the Midwest. I don't know. Um, <laughs> primordial ooze. Yeah. And so we just keep kind of getting more and more people, but obviously the harder it is for everyone to hang out like we want to and see everybody. So this was supposed to be a uh, an opportunity kind of to encourage the teams to come together to a central location before our big event, um, which is the day after tomorrow, uh, Motor City Mayhem. Um, so this Wait, was kind of like Motor City Mayhem? for that. And Motor City Mayhem. That? I thought MCM stand for Man Crush Monday. I was ready to. Uh, <laughs> it's both. I was ready to gush <laughs> over to gush over you, Lyle. That's one. So for you real, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I was texting my buddy in uh, North Carolina about uh, the tournament, and I had just like abbreviated it to MCM, and he literally had a conversation with me for like five minutes, thinking I was talking about Man Crush Monday because he did not know what MCM <laughs> was. So that that apparently may need to be reviewed in the future. Who knows? Yeah, Lyle, you're you're my man. Crush. It's Monday on the day this releases. You're my man. Crush Monday today, man. That you're, it's all about Lyle today. Well, I appreciate that. We had a good time <laughs> at this. This is the uh, the. I I love the fact that we go to this place and you find it by going. All right, when you find the Dunkin' Donuts, then you take a hard left. It's yeah. behind. It's right behind that. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fair. It's a sweet store. Like it's one of the nicer gaming stores I've got to play in. Um, it's uh, a little more. It's kind of like a historical mini store, honestly. So it's uh, caters to a much more uh, older and less willing to put up with nonsense crowd. So they have like a nice actual clean store, which is like a really nice change from some of the places I've got to play before. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. But yeah, it was. But it was just kind of a. It was a primer for our, uh, our super major we got coming up, and uh, then it was an opportunity to invite just people we don't get to see a lot. We just want to hang out with. So, like we invited. Brad. Um, I think we got we dragged Kramer over there. Although I, Kramer might be on Death of Glory at this point. I'm not actually sure. Um, <laughs> I just literally can't keep track. I really can't. Um, there was a bunch of people who like, there was some people from like upper uh, up, uh, the top of, I'm pointing at the top of my hand for you non-Michiganers, but the people up at the top of Michigan um, came down. Some people who are about to like move down south and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of like an opportunity to use 40K as an excuse to kind of get together with the community and hang out and just have a good time. So uh, the nice thing is that the glory is uh, uh, this, you know, we are all about, uh, as Thomas said many times, I don't need to reiterate it. We all are about, you know, having a good time, sportsmanship, all the, all the important things. So, but it's nice that when we can get everyone together, it's people who care about that, but also really w- want to do well in competitive 40K. It's people who put a lot of time and effort into it. So as far as a... I don't remember how much we ended up with, like, you know, 35, 40 person... We, have, uh, we ended up with GT, some, we, very we ended high up, level average. We ended up with 60 skill. people, Al. Oh, wow. well, six, I don't remember how many people ended up. Yeah, we, had a lot of, we had a lot of bros show up. Look, man, I was in my little room doing my thing, and, you know, it was two building events, so it was hard to keep track of who all was there sometimes. Yeah. This is um, true. But, but, it, but it, it was nice as an event because... Sometimes you go to your local backyard GT, backyard RTT, whatever, and 
you're going to get one or two games against uh, maybe people who are just locals and want to come play 40K, and then you get another couple games against people who like actually put effort into the tournament stuff and are trying to keep up the meta and trying to, to, yeah. to do and all it, that stuff. Yeah, and it was mind, nice I, having I, that kind I, I of average. I lied about the number of people. Tom told me there's going to be 60. Apparently there wasn't. Oh. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think I think we had 60 registered, and then like one entire team had something come up, which was yeah. unfortunate. That was the original. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at the Beast Coast Barrier. I'm like, all right, I'm full of crap. Yeah. However, I also did not leave the same building. There, we hold it. We had it two different. The the building they basically had there the main building, and then there was the second building, and we stayed in that building. Well, I also just said I decided that I was an old man and I was never going to move. I found my table and I was sticking at it. And I stayed there for two days. I stayed, yeah, I stayed there for two days. I I, I wonder before we start. Actually, I know, I know we've kind of derailed here a little bit, but uh, I got to tell a quick Ogden story because it's my favorites. Uh, we were in Vegas, so Ogden stayed in my room with me. And it was right before the tablet came out. He was talking about the list that eventually becomes what we're about to talk about with your list, right? And so I'm sitting there like asleep, like just passed out, dead asleep. And Ogden's like over me. And he has he has his little tablet out. He's like reading me the leaks of the Tau book, like a lullaby. <laughs> and I'm just like, I wake up and I'm like, I'm like, oh. I was like, oh my gosh, Ogden, are you, are you talking to me? He's like, yeah, bro. Did you not hear me? I was telling you all about the new Fire Warriors and like the new, the new crisis suits. And I'm like, tell me more. Tell me more, Ogden. And I just like passed out. So... It's a. It was a soothing. It was a soothing nighttime story in the creation of the list that we're about to talk about. Absolutely. Just well, speaking of that, tell us about that list. Tell us about it, man. Yeah. So it's. Uh, what's the best way I can explain this? So obviously, I get to spend a lot of time with Tom. Uh, you know, we we work together very closely on a lot of stuff. I get to play with him a lot. Get to pick his brain. Uh, he's a great player. So it's nice to have access to someone like him. I have gone through the art of war coaching process, uh, specifically mostly with Siegler. I did some stuff with Jack at one point, uh, but it mostly was with Siegler, who's obviously you know a, a Tau master. Uh, to say the least. Um, and it's literally, I, I I think I told Brad this the other day, it's literally like being an actual like Tal Fire Warrior and you have Shadow Sun on one side telling you <laughs> what to do and you have Farsight on the other side telling you what to do because they are literally like two living embodiments of completely different ways to approach 40K. And so I like I, I have like Siegler on one shoulder telling me, you know, this is how we should play. This is the safe way to play. I have Tom over here saying, no, just kill everybody and then figure it out later. <laughs> um, and so my list ended up being kind of like my hybridization of the two styles that I've kind of been instructed on, I guess, because I don't feel like I'm I'm not Tom. I can't. I should be able to do that because I'm like a Blood Angels player historically. So you would think I could just be like, YOLO, everyone go, we're going to kill you. And if it doesn't work, then we lose, whatever. Um, which like, I just can't commit to that like Tom can because Tom's so confident that it will work, that he, he doesn't care if it doesn't work because he knows it's going to. He's got some weird like power positivity thing going on. I don't quite understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also don't like. I think I've I've tried the ultra defense play for the end game, barely expose yourself, keep everything alive the whole time. Um, I've played that for a long time, and I feel like I needed to, or I felt like I needed to um, try some other styles to kind of make myself grow a little bit. So I kind of found what I thought was like a reasonable middle ground where I could literally either go Montca Calyon, play defense, play high uh, offense, whatever I want to do, and kind of. Um, play flexible with a list that I, I thought reasonably could do both. So that's kind of where this list came from. Um, so it kind of started with with Tom's list uh, with 22 crisis suits. Um, and then I was like, but you know what? Instead of adding five more crisis suits or whatever it is, what if we just put in things that could actually hold an objective instead? So that's that's what I did. <laughs> so we've got, um, uh, we've got double patrol plus uh, uh, shadow sun in the... Uh, actually, I'm sorry. Patrol plus, patrol plus the elite, the Vanguard plus Shadow Sun. Uh, so we've got uh, Crisis Commander 
with um, the full rerolls. He's got triple cyclic and then the flamer, the, the special flamer, um, just to really take advantage of all the rerolls. Uh, we had Dark Strider in the list. Um, we had Tin Kroot. Uh, we had a four man bodyguard unit that had Burst Plaz. Um, and then we had two units of Kroot Hounds. Um, every crisis suit in my list has a velocity tracker. So just, I'm not going to say that. Every single unit has velocity trackers on them. Um, then we had Shadow Sun. And then in the Vanguard, we had the Cold Star, which this was, I wanted to try some of Sieg's uh, special sauce. So it was uh, triple airburst with the Relic airburst um, and a velocity tracker and then the free target lock to really like make the indirect actually matter. Um, and then we originally had two broadsides in there. We were going to do like two by one broadsides with, um, you know, rerolls for the towel set, trying to make them actually matter since we couldn't give them rerolls anymore. And I decided I just wanted to try long strike. So we took out the two broadsides and we put long strike in for that weekend to see what would happen. Um, I, and he overperformed. He was wildly overperforming. I actually kind of like him. It's just the, the, the fact that he hits on twos, wounds on twos, rerolls each. He rolls a hit and he rerolls one. But the, the buff thing is, is that he literally gives a marker light to a crisis. See, that was that was the biggest issue too. Is that yeah. like the games where he didn't have something, he just popped. It was like, all right, you five crisis suits just have a marker light. Like I don't, I don't care. That's actually really them, huge, whatever. man. That yeah, was a big deal. That was a huge deal. Um, so then we get to the crisis suits. We have three uh, five man units. They all had uh, three drones with them. We had a plas plas fuge. Uh, we had plas plas cyclic, and then we had burst burst cyclic for kind of a DACA unit. And then we had one more unit of crew hounds. So. Um, the, the, the main difference between me and what Tom has typically played in the past when he's come on and talked about is I actually had some throwaway units of Crude Hounds to go over, touch stuff, get Stranglehold, whatever, uh, run around the table, do some screening, which actually ended up mattering um, in one or two games uh, with that pregame move out. Um, and then we I tried the... Uh, Tom really likes to keep his Crisis Commander or his Commanders cheap. He likes them to be like 135 or less if he can help it. And so I more heavily invested in my two commanders to try some loadouts and see what they could do and try to flex uh, on the ability to kind of have different things that kind of like, especially I did the math on the the airburst unit, uh, like the crisis or the cold star. Like he almost does the exact same amount of indirect damage as like an actual five man unit with indirect at this point after the changes. So it was kind of like just having like these tiny units that actually count as like a fifth and sixth crisis unit, uh, which was ended up letting me to kind of, some interesting creative things over the course of the weekend. I want to hear, um, I want to hear after hearing that full list, I want to hear Rick's opinion on it. Rick, what do you think? My first question originally, but you already touched on it a bit is how you felt after the changes to indirect fire from the data slate and then how you went ahead and modified your list. But when you were going through the weapons loadouts for your crisis suits, it sounds like you did what a lot of people have done and dropped most of the air bursts and gone for more more plasma. And then you have your cold star with all that uh, indirect fire to stay safe behind cover, uh, behind obscuring and still throw down uh, hate. So Seems legit to me, yeah, although but- I do have to preface this. I am a nerd with a microphone. I mainly play Death Watch and Grey Knights. So other than getting steamrolled a few times by the new Tau, I got to say I'm not a huge uh, expert in that army. <laughs> so I, I do want to point this out because I think it is, is worth mentioning with the, the indirect changes coming into the event. A lot of people didn't have reps with the new list with or without the indirect. Like It has still been pretty recent at the time the event went down. Uh, I had never played this list before I showed up on Saturday morning. <laughs> That's my style games. too, man. That's I had played zero too. games with anything resembling this list. Um, I literally spent the two weeks before this event 
because this was because it was all like you know we wanted it was fun and encouraging socialization stuff like that there was no painting requirements for this event so i literally spent the two weeks before this event just building the army because i didn't own any of the models um the last event i played tau was before adepticon i went i came in third place at a gt but that was with a triple storm surge list that had one crisis unit which was the airburst unit that you're talking about and obviously that's like apples and oranges it's not even worth comparing to what triple storm surge on adepticon's rage you're like hey i can see you well we're all over the place i love it like who doesn't like big stompy robots but uh like how does that oh everyone loves them man i'm I need to watch like a bat rep with a list like that because that seems just hilarious. It was so much fun. And it really, it was the, um, it is kind of what made me want to start trying some different stuff. Cause in that tournament, I got to play Tom in the finals and I don't know if there's anything I could have done to win that game. I'm pretty sure any answer about what I could have done to beat him started with me having to go first, which I didn't get to do um, because <laughs> he just got to move up and just he was playing Talcept and a bunch of plus ones to wound. And it was just I, everything died very quickly. <laughs> I think rolls, he rolls yeah. like I feel like uh, I feel like Rick stole one of Brad's oh. questions here and uh, I can see it in his face. And uh, I, I want to steal the big question here, but it's too predictable. I'm not doing it, Brad. Thought I was going to steal we the question even, here, but we haven't I'm even gotten to the guessing. opponent's list yet. I, we can't. I, I know. That's why I'm not doing it. But I want you to go ahead, Brad. Will you just feed us? Will you feed us to Harlequin? I will indeed. It was. I dark just got to say, I, I I love that I got to mess with Brad, and <laughs> I didn't even know it. That's fantastic. It's so good. So good when I hit your lips. So we have some dark Harlequins. <laughs> The Shadow Seer, running with the Mirror Minds, the psychic power that everybody knows what it does, but everybody has to try to be explained again 15 times, and you don't understand why you just took 600 mortals. The Troop Master, Foot in the Future, everything else, the Rose, everything you thought it had, it's super annoying, it gets there fast. And then we had one, two, three, four, five, six units of troops. Ah, ah, ah. All with double caress, triple kiss. And then we've got the Death Jester. Then we had three units of four Skyweaver jet bikes. And then we had five Star Weavers. That's a list with some serious speed over here, Lyle. Tell us about what mission you played. And basically, tell us the mission. Set us up on the mission. And then give us your both the secondaries, if you could. And just tell me what you thought going into the game as far as if you felt good about it and what your overall game plan was. Brad's doing all my thunder now. It's like every question I ask. Okay, Brad, you just want to. You just. I know you. You know you were the big dog last week, but I'm going to put you in place <laughs> at some point this episode. All right. Um, I don't have the mission name written down in front of me. I know we went in order, so I'm pretty sure it was mission twelve, which I think is the bombs mission. Yeah, it's, it's where we put bombs it, on the sides of the table 12, or something. It, it's the bomb. Okay, so this was on the bombing mission. Uh, so I know my opponent took. Um, so I think I have written down interrogate. So I assume that was a mental interrogation, or second interrogation, whatever that's called. Uh. They took Engage, and they took Deadly Performance, I think is what it's called. Um, I messed up a lot of different ways here. And this, honestly, <laughs> this exact page is where I lost the game. <laughs> um, yeah. Mistake uh, one. So I, first of all, I picked a illegal secondary. I want to be upfront about that before anyone like calls in on the podcast and talks about that or types in the comments or whatever. I took two secondaries from the same category and I didn't realize it because it was my second game with list and I apologize. Uh, I took uh, I took stranglehold and I took the towel stranglehold, which in my head I should have been like, you probably can't do that, and I I didn't think that. Um, <laughs> like, and I'm gonna which, take I'm gonna yeah. take engage just to make sure I have everything. I'm just gonna take all <laughs> battlefield supremacy. <laughs> yeah. So I I took in that game stranglehold and decisive action, uh, which is the towel stranglehold. 
stranglehold that you can only get 12 on. And um, I took grind them down. Um, my So you, you asked how I felt about the matchup. I assume I'm going to lose most games. Um, that's just my personal mentality. I assume everyone's better than me uh, because I don't think I'm very good. Uh, so you're completely opposite of Brad. <laughs> I was just about to say, and I don't want, you know, want to play this, buddy. <laughs> you're really cutting into my alcohol time. <laughs> so... Um, I I have a tendency to look at a list and be overly cautious. Um, if I don't know if we're going through all the games, the opposite of that ha- will happen in round three, and I'll explain very clearly why the opposite of that happened in round. Three. Uh, but in this game, it's Harlequins. It's against guy knows pretty good. Uh, we played a few times. Uh, I know he's no slack. I think he ended up um, also X and one uh, in this event, so like, he obviously knew what he was doing. Um, I had not played against new Harlequins since their nerf, so I didn't exactly know what they were going to do. Um, this is dark. So I, I, mean, I do not is- enter with a lot of confidence about it for sure. Dark's fairly unknown dark is uh, for everybody listening on that because you've seen uh some of these lists come out of the woodwork since we got the nerfs to the void weavers and dark harlequins are very nasty and this is a hand-to-hand list mainly it's got a lot of maneuverability but the dark harlequins can fight on death everyone just fights on death just you just do it so it becomes very scary when you're killing people does that include your vehicles all the pros bros okay so um i looked at the list and i was like well obviously he wants to charge me early he charges me i haven't done the math on this ever i assume he could probably kill me or he wouldn't be charging me um so probably don't want to let that happen that was my basic mindset <laughs> um <laughs> so i looked at it was like okay i would like to play a defensive game here um i want to do whatever i can to mitigate whatever losses i can take on the first turn uh, ideally over the first two turns, uh, immediately looked at the list and be like, I'm probably going to go Kalyan here because I want to just like hold on for two turns and then just blow them off the board late game was the the general thought the general thought process. Is that I feel like if I could survive two turns, then I could probably just kill him. That, that was my hope. Um, the list turned out uh, was very good at killing everything, more so than I gave it credit for initially. Um, so I think I played, ended up, I, and I know I ended up being way too defensive in this game. Um, again, I think a lot of that was a lack of experience playing against Harlequins. I didn't quite understand um, that they were not the efficient murder machines that I thought they were into T5 models with four wounds. Mm. That was not what they wanted to be attacking. I think part of this is me playing as Braz Drukari, and I'm an elf racist. I hate all <laughs> things with pointy ears. Um, which I, I told Brad at the event this is the reason i have the cold star crisis uh airburst thing because i hate elves i still want to kill the elves i just want to kill the elves like i i I would rather bring tech for elves than i would bring tech for tyranids just because i hate eldar (laughs) of all kinds um so i think part of it was like i just i played against brad they had pointy ears they touched me and i died um so i assume these things have pointy ears if they touch me i'm gonna die and i didn't quite understand uh what kind of leverages and stat differentials (laughs) i could i could uh leverage here against them I, i played over defensive as a result of that. It, it's funny because all I'm thinking of is like all the hatred from the dark, and then the Harlequins kind of show up and do a little ditty before they attack you. And like I was taken <laughs> off my game because like I just started dancing in front of me. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're 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 doing a little dance. Yeah, just like what do you what do you think we're gonna do? Hey, <laughs> do Guardians of the Galaxy, real quick. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you so doing the the big problem going into this, <laughs> this is the only game I lost in the tournament was against the Harlequins. Um, and I again I had illegal secondaries. I'm going to overlook that. There's nothing I can do about that at this point. But I lost by three points, and so my I was very I was very firmly of the belief after the game that if I lost by three points, that means I could have won. Like <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me to imagine a three point game where it couldn't have gone a different direction had different things been done. And I, I looked at the, and we can talk about how it played out in more detail if you guys like, but I tabled him in, ter- in four turns. Um, I tabled all of my opponents.
this, this tournament on turn four. Every single round, they got tabled on turn four. Special turn. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I think I played into that more once I got reps with it over the tournament and I understood what my list could actually do. Um, but because I didn't realize how easily I could kind of explode on that Kalyan turn, I think I, I didn't... Um, I played, I, I set up ultra defensively. I like literally, I used Kalyan at the beginning of the game or Exemplar Kalyan. I moved everything back into my corner to where I was like actual 30, 34 inches away from the deploy, the other models or something. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, I think I could have done, I picked secondaries knowing I wanted to be defensive. My plan with Stranglehold was that I wanted to get it three times. I was like, if I can get it three times and hold on for the end of the game and get grinded down every turn, I thought I could win if I got it three times. Uh, I ended up getting it twice and lost. Um, I think had I realized how proactive I had the ability to be in the matchup, um, I could have really looked at going a completely different route with secondaries that may have allowed me to to just do get points while I was doing the murdering of elves that I wanted to do anyway. Instead, <laughs> I kind of like back myself into corners like, well, I'm going to pick these three things here and I'm just going to stand in between them for four turns and hope that's good enough. And as it turned out, that was not good enough. Uh, did not did not have enough points on the table. Uh, now, it was, and I'll put this out there, this is one of those, I don't, I really hate complaining about that. I apologize when I start getting basic. So I start, I really love talking about 40k and I get excited and more excited. I get the louder I get. So I apologize if I'm uh, messing with the audio <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> I this was I know the tagline of the show is don't blame dice right that's part of the part of the intro is don't don't blame it on dice after the event uh, this was a game where there was a I think it's called a troop master I don't remember which ones are which they all look the same to me um, yeah well, I'm, I'm racist. racist against elves um, the, I think it was a troop master with a single wound that did not fail a four up for a turn and a half and that single troop master kept me from getting my my strangleholds on the turn I needed to to win the game wait a second he might have had the luck of the laughing guy he, he may have. Yeah. <laughs> um, How do you say the laughing god's name? Shackle. I destroy that every time. It l- oh, you messed up a name, huh, Brad? Of a fantastical Eldar god. It's the laughing god, bro. We're not on a first name basis. He's Mr. Laughing God to me. <laughs> Uh, but regardless, I don't want to say, oh, I lost the game because that guy just made every four up for a turn and a half. I, I feel like I put myself in a position where that got to determine the game. And I think I very easily could have come into this game before the game started where I could have made some choices that would have just taken that off the table as a decision point. And I think I, I think I literally lost the game in the secondary selection part of it. I think based on what I picked, I think it ended up not mattering a lot how I played the game. I think there were some mistakes I made or things I could have done differently on the table. But I think this is a classic example of I did not come in, uh, and I talked to Brad about this, I did not come in to this weekend with any kind of secondary plan. I had no idea what secondaries <laughs> I was going to pick. My plan was to read the book at the table and figure it out before each game. And I think that not only did that cost me this game, I think it cost me standing uh, because I my first two games were very low scores. And by the third game, I started kind of figuring out what my list could do and what my secondaries made, what secondaries made sense. And my scores steadily went up on three, four, and five. Yeah, because um, your first two scores were 74, 69. Then you're like yeah. 8,800, 88, you know what yeah. I mean? Just smash from there on out. Yeah, so I, th- I think that's the well, classic I didn't have a plan when I showed up. You made some mistakes in what you picked, but um, what would you pick as the MVP? Ah, come on! Weekend on your on your list. I want to save the other you know one. I, I got right so now. many questions now. It, you know what? We're doing the whole thing. If you're going to do it right, who was you know, okay? What's on chopping block? Units and who's on the chopping block? Uh, I can tell you right now who's already been chopped in my new list is Dark Strider. Uh, Dark Strider does not make sense anymore with the bodyguard change uh, because his ability is he has to have line of sight to something when the command phase starts, and without being able just to hang him out in the middle of the table and still not let him get shot with the old bodyguard, 
I just don't think he makes sense anymore for 60 points. Um, I, I do love the plus one the wound. The plus one the wound was nice, but he was never a value I needed. It was just like a free bonus because he was there. Without bodyguard, that guy is like Ranger Target One. You're just yeah. like, yeah, he there's a bunch of dots all over his head. He's like, hey, guy, oh no. I think there are two games that he just ended up like being a screening unit, like just makes for something deep strike behind me, which is not why you pay 60 points for a character. Oof. So that, that guy is out. He's a, he's a super sweet model, though. Like that model is like one of the best ones you'd ever put out. I, I wish you was still there. Now, what was the MVP though? Who was who was really? I, I legitimately thought the MVP was Long Strike. Um, now I I am I get I could be um, biased in that mildly because the Crisis bombs themselves the three big Crisis units. They did exactly what I expected, so I didn't feel like they were like an MVP like surprise hero overperforming anything like that. They did what I thought they were there to do. Uh, Long Strike was a test, and he wildly exceeded my expectations. He was clutch like in four out of five games. He did massive work in four out of five games. I had actually, in my fourth round um, against Craft uh, Worlds, I had actually uh, used Exemplar to Kalyon to like put Long Strike into reserve because there was two, I think they're called Fire Prisms on the other side of the table, and I, I didn't want them to get <sighs> popped. Um, so I just outflanked them, basically. And my opponent just left a big giant spot in the corner where he could come on the table in my opponent's uh, side of the table and on like turn two. And it just so happened that Eldrad was like hiding behind a wall, but 12 inches away from all the other models. So, or like nine inches away, not bodyguarded. I was like, oh, this is cool. Longstrike is just going to kill Eldrad. They don't have to deal with that anymore because he's annoying. Um, and then he's like, yeah, if you come in over there, my fire prisms are just going to shoot you four times. And I was like, well, I'm really far away. I didn't think anybody could do that from like 30 inches away. He's like, oh, yeah, Eldar could do it. The stratagem says I can, as long as I'm near Farseer and I can see you, I can I can shoot you. I was like, well, I, I guess I'll go over here then and not do anything. <laughs> um, but if I, if Longstrike had just like randomly showed up and sniped Eldrad, that would have been massive in that game, uh, as there's so much obvious utility and power there. I like that um, the gun's like five times as big as he is, by the way. <laughs> he could he's probably the size of the ammunition. <laughs> he's uh he was a tiny dude compared to Longstrike's uh, railgun. Uh so no, a- Longstrike was great. He popped Bellicar in round five for twelve damage. Um he popped the Avatar Kane in round one for like eight damage or something. I don't remember the number, but a giant giant chunk that I was able to kill him then afterwards. I don't remember after half damage exactly how much it was, but it was a lot of damage. Um, I was say, it's, it's up to nine, it's half of nine plus three mortals. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was, eight. I think it was, I think it was actual, uh, you round up, right? I think I rolled max yeah. and it was five plus three. Um, he uh, was just picking off, um, uh, or he killed, he killed the Silent King. That was the thing. <laughs> Um, we managed to kill them in here and then pop the Silent King with the the railgun. So he was just like lining up shots all weekend and just doing whatever. Uh, The three mortals actually was a huge deal. It was a way bigger deal than I thought because it really allowed me to kill two elite things, which uh, made it really easy that you pop like, uh, like I played against Terminators and Raves and things like that. uh, Three, three wound elite models and being able to like pop one and just pick up the second one with the the mortals uh, made my life a lot easier in a lot of situations. Like I played against like 10 Scarab Occult Terminators and anytime you could just kill two of those with one bullet, I'm going to take that because they were very annoying to kill after the new changes. That's their thing. Yeah, I heard uh, all those dust plus uh, armor yeah. made yeah. them pretty, pretty a little bit even more annoying to get rid of. 
As if they weren't bad enough before. Yeah, I, it's way I do worse. Like, you're like Thousand Suns Terminators. I heard you could put a couple buffs on them. You're like, yeah. here's the cards <laughs> that are on them. That, that was the only thing all weekend that took me more turns to kill than I thought it was going to was the ten buff Terminators. It took me two turns to kill them. <laughs> oh, they're awful because yeah. they come with everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't prepared. My math all got changed in the middle of it when he told me he could make my two damage guns one damage, which I just didn't know. And then that just like changed everything a lot because I was yeah. planning on cleaning up a lot of them with cycling. Yeah, you know, because one he can, yeah, because he can like turn your two into one and then use the strat for yep. plus one armor save or ignore one AP or whichever. It's really good. Um, if you guys don't mind, real quick, I do want to leap in and just talk about your menta- uh your mentality. So you came in with the like discussing this uh this round. And you already had like a really good attitude. I especially liked when you said a three-point loss means that you could have won. I love that line. Like that's actually that's 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 an amazing way of thinking uh, about it. I think we all like those really tight games anyway, and that does mean that like one clutch play or like you said, one guy making a few too many invuls can really throw it. I yeah. uh, I just want to point out that that's actually a really good mentality to have is that yeah you lost by three but you could have won by three as well and if you take that as a learning opportunity you're going to get better and better that's awesome yeah and then honestly for me i feel like i'm broken exactly yeah yeah i'm broken honestly for me i feel like that's like the biggest thing i've found has uh made me a better player over the last years is like i've stopped i really don't care if i like i want to win i don't want to say i don't care if i win but I yeah. care way more if I get better after each game. Like I care way more about is there something I'm walking away with that I know not to do or that I should do next time. Um, yeah, so I, I try to make sure even at the table after each game, I start immediately thinking about what what thing could I have tried out differently. Yeah, that's rad, man. I like that's that's the way I feel. Like, of course, we like to win. It's a competitive game. We've all been been gamers our whole lives. We like to see that like victory screen, right? We get it. But it is good. To understand that you can win even when you've lost, if you are, if you walk out of it a better player. At LVO, I got to play against Alex McDougal, and even though he absolutely wiped the floor with me, it was a great game, and I learned a ton. And I'm very, um, he really is, and I'm very thankful that I had that game. So um, I did want to ask you about. You said. You know you or you think you lost when you picked your secondaries, and that is a line. That's a, a a line of thought that I have a lot. Like, oh, I lost before we rolled any dice at all. Um, what secondaries do you think you would have picked? Also, assuming that you picked them legally this time, so you're gonna get Brad to murder you, actually. That's a Bradning question for oh, the second part. That's a Bradning one hundred and one. Bradning one hundred and one. I will, I will bite your ankles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you will bite too. Your right off. Yeah. But tunics, you everyone who everyone who knows who listens to part two knows that that's uh that's okay. coming. That's the thunder. This is the we, get, uh, we got the, the thunder and the lightning. The thunder? Yeah, I thought the thunder came. The lightning's coming. Yeah. That was the thunder. Yeah, that was the thunder. This whole episode is a thunder. You're gonna get the lightning. See, now I'm just setting you up to get people to subscribe. And well, yeah, if people, if people want to subscribe yeah, to get the second a, episode, they yeah. can tell you say my thoughts, and then Brad will tell you why I'm wrong. <laughs> well, 
I'm, I'm bound to get a, a bad uh, a bad rap here for the sales. I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to sell you on part two. You get, if you really want to, go listen to it. It's, it'll be nice. But uh, everyone, thanks for joining us, man. Lyle, thanks for joining us. Rick, thanks for joining us. Brad, as always, you, um, you're, you're here. Um, but thanks for listening, everybody. Join us for part deuce, the Bradning Hour. Make sure to check out our other content at theartofwar40k.com. We have coaching. We have the war room. We have other podcasts. We have the Art of War Vanilla. Now with Mr. Nick Nanavati and Paul Murphy, we have the Art of War Down Under with the late and very great Adam Camilleri, who is no longer American. We, of course, are the Art of War Pistachio, the flavor you didn't know you loved until you tried it. Thanks for listening. Join us for part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network, theartofwar40k.com. Thank <laughs> you.